Father, we just thank you uh, for this word. We thank you, Father God, that you're going to speak to us. Father, we give you our hearts. We give you our minds. We give, Father God, everything that we are to you. Father, I pray that you'll bring revelation and insight, Father God. I pray that you would speak to us. Open our hearts, Father God. We want to hear words from you. That's why we're here today, to worship and to hear words from you. So, Father, speak to us. God, I'm just your vessel. Use me, Father, as you see fit for the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we had talked a couple of weeks ago. I think I gave everybody sort of a heads up that we were going to be talking about vision. And, uh, and last week, uh, Danelle Perkins did an excellent job. How many, how many of you enjoyed Danelle last week? I thought that she did a fantastic job and, uh, and just really laid a foundation. And I kind of talked about it, joked to her. I said, you know, you've actually kind of, you know, took some of my sermon notes <laughs> that I was going to talk about. And so I didn't have to change things a whole lot. But, um, but I was just, uh, it was a very, very powerful message. And really, when we talk about vision, and what we're going to be talking about today is, is really applicable not only to this church, but it's also applicable in, in every situation that you're confronted with, whether you're, you're, you're starting a business, uh, you know, like some of us have, or whether it's a dream or something that God has put in your spirit, you will find out that all the information we're going to give today is going to help you in that area. And so today we're going to be talking about understanding vision. How many of you would agree that vision and understanding vision is very, very important? It's, it's, it's very, very important we understand how vision works. And then next week, we're really going to spend some time, and I want to encourage everybody to really come out next week because we're going to talk specifically about Foundation Christian Fellowship and the vision that God has given us, and we're going to talk about that in some details. And I think that by the end of that service, everybody will have a general idea. And what I really want you to do is, is really begin to pray and ask God, how do he want to use you? I think next week you'll, you'll really get a grasp on that, on, okay, what is my part in this ministry? Because as I said last week, if God has called you here, he didn't call you here to take up a seat and occupy space. Amen. God has called us to come here and to get involved. Everything that God does, he's a God of purpose and he gives us vision. And I was joking with somebody not too long ago. They were saying, well, you know how doctors have said, you know, that you really don't need your tonsils. How many of you ever heard that? You know, you don't need your tonsils and you don't need your wisdom tooth. And, and, you know, I always say, wait a minute, God is a God of wisdom. And if God gave us our tonsils, and he gave us our wisdom tooth. How many of you know that we need it? We just haven't figured out why yet. <laughs> but we need it. And, and, and I said that to say that God is a God of purpose. And God, listen, God didn't just bring us here together so that we can just simply exist. God has something specific that he wants us to do. If I were to ask you all, how many of you would say that five, you know, two or three years ago that you would be where you are today? Nobody would say that. You, I mean, you, five years ago, if you were wondering where you would be, you didn't think you would be right here with this group of people. But God has called you here, and God has brought you here for a purpose. You know, I like the scripture that says that the, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God is the one who is directing us. He is the captain of our ship, and he is leading us to where we need to go and where we need to be. And so we just need to trust him. I said last week that um, we need to have a clear picture of where we're going. That if you aim at nothing, how many know you will hit it every time? 
If you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. So it's very, very important that we understand that God has given us direction and God has given us a vision. And so today we're going to talk about and uh, understanding what vision really is. And if you have your Bibles, look at Proverbs 29, 18 with me. And uh, as I always say, I know you have your Bibles because you're students of the word. Oh, hallelujah. Boy, I tell you what, there's a cloud in this place today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Smile in the presence of the Lord. Get happy. You know, you want God to speak to you, you got to be a spirit of anticipation. How many of you would agree with that? So be excited about the word of God. Are you there? All right. Proverbs 29, 18. Uh, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people are left unrestrained. I want to read that again. Where there is no vision, and a better translation for vision would be revelation, then the people are left uh, unrestrained. Now, if you talk about the word unrestrained, see, this has the idea that where there is no clear direction, that everybody does what is right in his own eyes. You see, if I were to, for an example, if I was to call seven of you up here, and I were to say to you that if you were pastor of Foundation Christian Fellowship, I guarantee you that everybody would have a different way of how they would do it. Because no two people think alike. I mean, there would be some similarities, but there are a lot of things that you would do differently, wouldn't you? And so when God, so when he talks about vision, revelation, revelation has to do with hearing the voice of God. In other words, God, what are you telling me to do? You know, when we first got started with our ministry, we took time. Uh, this was way back, very, very early uh, in the conception of our ministry, that we took some time and we really began to pray and ask God, Lord, were you really, are you the one who, 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 who's driving this? Because we didn't want to just get together and just start a church. How many know that there's a lot of people doing that? And I'm not interested in just putting something together to say that we got something. <laughs> you know, everybody who's You know, everybody who's had disappointments and everybody who's been frustrated and everybody who couldn't get what they wanted, just come over here and we'll just figure out how to make it work. Now, that's not what God is calling us to do. This thing is about revelation. It is about, okay, God calling us to do this. And then what is it that God wants us to do? It's a pattern. It's a pattern in scripture that when God calls us, God is very, very purposeful in what it is that he wants us to do. And so what vision does is it gives us it gives us that direction that we need to go and that we're all on one accord. Look at your neighbor and say one accord. You see, and many many ministries have started and have folded because there was no vision. There is no vision uh, or uh, there was a whole lot of division, but there was no vision. And so it's very, very important that as you come here and that we understand all of us that God has given us a way and he's given us a vision and he has something that he wants us to do. And we talked about uh, previously, we talked about how that how God's how God gives a vision. If you uh, look through the pattern of scripture, whenever God gives a vision, God always give that vision to a visionary leader, whether it was Moses, uh, whether it was Nehemiah. Uh, whether it was Ezra, whether it was the Apostle Paul, uh, whether it was Abraham, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Whenever God gave a vision, 
God always brought it through to, uh, to an individual. And then what God does is he brings people around that vision to help fulfill the vision. Because how many know that the vision is not just for the visionary leader? Right. See, this is not about you coming here trying to help me fulfill my dream. <laughs> the vision that God has given us is for the body. It is for all of our benefit. And so all of us have a part in the thing that God is calling us to do. Everybody have a responsibility. And so this thing is about vision. This thing is about what is God saying to you? Because if God called you here, and I believe that you're here because you believe that God called you here, then you know that he has something for you to do. And so he bring us together in one place to accomplish a common goal. Look at your neighbor and say, a common goal. And see, and that's why it's so important. Can you imagine that you had, had a bunch of people together and, then, you know, and everybody just, you know, unrestrained, you know, well, brother, you know, I think we ought to go and minister to the Chinese. I think that ought to be our primary calling. Oh, I think we ought to go over there to Africa. I think that ought to be our primary calling. Oh, you know, I, I really think that we need to just focus on the youth. And that's it. That would be our primary calling. You see what happened? Because all of us think differently. But the key thing is, is that when God calls us together, he wraps us around a common vision. Because when everybody else, listen, we talked about unrestrained, that means that we are being pulled in many different directions. And when you're pulled in many different directions, you know what's going to happen? The big C word. Can anybody guess what that is? Confusion. And how many know that God doesn't work in confusion? Anything that you can come into and is confusing then I I will submit to you today that it is not of God. God is a God of order. And, you know, that's why we talk so much around here about about being a ministry of excellence. That means that we're taking the time and we're praying over our responsibility because we understand that God gave it to us. And if God gave gave us a responsibility, then we want to absolutely give our best to God because who are we offering it to? To God. Somebody talk to me. Are you there? Who are we offering it to? All right. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. You're there. You're alive in Jesus' name. Glory to God. And so what are the benefits of of, of vision? We just said a moment ago that the benefits of vision is it minimizes confusion. Secondly, everybody is moving toward a common goal. I know the Bible says that um, where there is uh, no unity, you know, God ain't going to be blessing it. That's my paraphrased version. <laughs> God said a house divided cannot and will not stand. And so, listen, when, when, when God calls us together, listen, what vision does is it give us a direction that all of us can go. Listen, it is a target. And we're just not here, but God gives us what vision does. It moves all of us in the same direction. And where there is unity, the Bible said that God, what? Commands the blessing. And I don't know about you, but how many of you can stand to be blessed? Oh, okay, I got an amen then. Oh, we all can stand to be blessed in God. But God says he blessed where there is unity. And the flip side of that is that if, listen, if there is no unity... There's no blessing from God. Make sense? If, if, if there's no unity, if there's division and there is no unity, God is not in it and you can forget it. It's not going to be blessed. God says, I command the blessing. 
He didn't say I might. He says I command the blessing where there is unity. And so and that's why it says over in the book of Ephesians, it says that, listen, that we are to endeavor, work hard, <laughs> strive, even if it hurts to keep the unity of the spirit. Because how do you know it's not easy? Because all of us got different personalities, different things going on. God made us different ways. And so the Bible says that we ought to, we got to endeavor. So it's not always easy, especially when somebody hurts you, when somebody offends you. You know, a lot of times there's a tendency to say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with that person anymore. The Bible says you got to work at it. We got to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. And the reason is, is because God commands the blessing. But then another benefit of vision is that there's a sense of momentum. You know, when you can look back, when you can see that when you have a common goal and then you can begin to see steps and progress along the way, then there's a sense of momentum. There's a, there's a sense that, listen, that God is involved in this thing. And listen, and all of us want to, listen, everybody want to be where God is. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, nobody want to be where God is not at work. You know, I, I, a lot of us have, 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 have visited other churches and have walked in there and, you know, you've walked in there and you can sense right away, man, I, I, don't, I don't think God is in here. And you leave real quick. You know, whether it's perceived or, or you know, whether it's reality or, or, or not, to you, that's your reality. And if you feel like that God is not in something, then what do you do? You turn around and you will leave because everybody want to be where God is. And that's one of my prayers all the time. I said, God, show me where you are at work. Because I don't want to be doing, oh, this is going to be good. I don't want to be doing stuff in the flesh. I don't want to just be moving on what I think ought to be right. Because there can be some good things, but if God is not initiating it, or if God is not in that, then I don't want to be there. I want to listen. I want to be guided by the Holy Spirit, because if I'm guided by the Holy Spirit, I have the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. And now I am on my way because I have the power and I have the anointing of God. Now, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, spiritual leaders. And, and, And I want to say this because oftentimes what happens is when God gives a vision, you know, uh, you know, a leader sometimes would try to feel like that it's their responsibility to try to sell the vision. <laughs> you know, they try to try to get people to, you know, come along with this. And, and, you know, let me say this to you. One thing that you would never, ever have to worry about me doing is I am never on, ever going to try to force you to do anything. Because it's not my job to do that. My job is to share the vision that God has given And then what happens is God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, God will confirm in your heart if you're supposed to be a part of the vision. You know, a lot of times, you know, pastors, they try, they, they got to try to sell the vision. They got to come up with the most fancy slogan. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not about selling anything. I'm not a salesman. I tried that. It doesn't work anyway. Not my calling. But it's not my responsibility to try to sell anything. Listen, my responsibility is to come and share. You know, and it, and, it, and it really flows in every area of your life. And, and even when I preach a word of God, when I, when I preach the word to you, my responsibility is to preach. And the Holy Spirit will do to you what the Holy Spirit will try to do to you. Because I always say, listen, if the Holy Spirit can't change you, who am I? <laughs> I mean, he's a whole lot stronger than me. And everybody said, 
Amen. That's right. So if God is if God can't shake it, then I can't. And so my responsibility is to simply share and then let the spirit of God speak to people. And that's what we and that's what we're doing when we're talking about vision. And we're going to be talking about in detail next week about the vision that God has given me for us. Look at your neighbor and say it's for us. It's for us. And the, and, and. This is, this is where teamwork and ownership begins to happen when you begin to realize and see that there is a benefit in this for me. Because, and you know, and, and on the surface, that sounds somewhat selfish. But I think it's a good question to ask. I don't see no harm in that. What's in it for me? Not that you're, you're selfishly motivated, but, but God has put some stuff in you too. Look at your neighbor and say, God put some stuff in me. God has put some stuff in you, too. And so there's something that God wants for you to do. And so you need to ask the question, what's in it for me? How does this, how does this work for me? How do I benefit out of the vision that God has given this church? You see? And when, you know, and, and when you're, out, when you're, if you're out shopping for a church, and that's the way that you should look at it. When I was, when I was, when I was looking for a church before we started this one, I was all about, I wanted to, I wanted to sit down and talk with the leader. Not because I'm trying to brown nose and I'm trying to get some position, you know, because I believe that when you're called, your gift will make room for you. So I don't worry about all that. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to hear the vision in the heart of that leader because I am subjecting my family, my wife and my kids to this. Because when we're called to it, we are called to it and we give everything that we got to it. And so I want to hear the heart of this leader. What is God calling you to do? See? And so the responsibility of the visionary leader is simply to share what God has put in his heart. And then God will bring the people uh, to fulfill that vision. You know, and I was talking with uh, Kenny a little while ago about, about business. You know, and, you know, and God has given all of us you know, dreams and visions. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a couple of weeks, the dreams and visions and, and how that works and how that there's tests of the vision and the dreams that God put inside of us. But, you know, God will give us dreams and vision. And do you know that when God calls a thing, <laughs> here it is, when God calls a thing into being, when if God is in it, you don't have to worry about trying to sell it or trying to make it work. You know why? Because God orchestrated it. That's right. he, you know, Jesus says that the gates of hell would never prevail against the church. The church is under attack. They've been trying to get annihilate the church, the church for years. The church is never going to go anywhere. The Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You know why? Because God started it. <laughs> and if God started it, you don't have to worry about it. All you need to do is just flow in what God is doing. Hallelujah. And then God doesn't always give all the details of the vision. Turn to Genesis chapter number 12. You know, God gives you a vision. God gives you a dream. He puts it in your heart. You know, and sometimes you're tempted to think, man, I need to, you know, I need to answer all the, you know, I need to, to give all the details. But how many know that the Bible says that the just shall live by what? Faith. So when God calls you or when God gives a vision, oftentimes, and this is just a, this is a principle of scripture. If you go back and you can look through all scripture, oftentimes God does not share all the details. You know, 
I know we want a college, and I, don't know, I know we want to be training people and sending them out. I know we want to be planting churches. Now, if you ask me where are we going to get the money from, I don't know. I don't have a problem saying that. I don't know. I just know God gave me a picture. And exactly how it's all going to come about, I don't know. But that's the fun part. Because now I'm in a position where I got to trust God to move this thing. And I want to be in a place. Oh, come on, somebody. I want to be in a place where I'm trusting God. And that God has to bring it to pass. Because if God's going to bring it to pass, I don't have to worry about it. And listen, I just need to ride. What did Danelle talk about last week? Riding the river. Just, just, just riding it. Why? Because God is in it. God is in it. Now look at the Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country, from your relatives, and from your father's house to a land which I will show you. <laughs> he said, so, so what that tells me that at that time he was telling him, he didn't tell him where he was going. He said, I just want you to move away from everything that you're familiar with, your family, your friends, your cousins, the people that you serve with in ministry. Hallelujah. God just calls you up and he just says, look, I want you to go. I'm going to show you exactly what it is that I want you to do. And listen, he says to Abraham, verse number two, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. <laughs> And make your name great. And I can see the temptation would be, well, God, how are you going to do that? Can you kind of like show me some of this before I just step out? <laughs> and verse three, and then he says, I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, God had gave Abram a whole lot of promises there. But would you, if you look at it, what you don't see is the details. You know, I was talking with um, a one-time pastor, Pastor uh, uh, Lance Stoddard. Uh, he's a missionary director there at Bethel Temple. And he and I was talking one time when, uh, when one time the pastor Ron was coming. And he said, he said, man, you know, Pastor Ron, he said, he said, Pastor Ron, a lot of times he just don't get all the details. He says, you know, he talked about how that, you know, he's, he's a visionary, you know, leader. He, he comes in and he says, you know, God, taught, God has called us. God has just told me that I need to start a church. I mean, I'm sorry, I ne- not need to, I need to start a church, but I need to build uh, an addition to their, their current church. And so, so many of you, I don't know, have, have, have anybody visited their website, Bethel Temple website? They have just completed and they have moved in to a, a 10 million plus facility. Now, when Pastor Ron first came to the elders and to the leadership and said, God just told me to start a church. Everybody looked at him and said, well, how are you going to do that? I mean, where are we going to get the money from? I mean, after all, that land that you're talking about, we don't even own it yet. I mean, how, how are you going to do that? And Pastor Rod talked about how that there was all this kind of resistance and people, and people started asking him. And he just said, look, I don't know. I don't know how, how, how to do it. I just know that God said this is what we're supposed to do. And if you go to the website and look at it today, they got a $10 million facility behind that sanctuary. And I'm telling you, it is absolutely fantastic. But all he knew is God just told me to do it. But see, now here's the thing, the details. We talk about details. Details come in. That's where you come in at. You see, 
See, when God gives a vision, he gives the vision to the leader, but he don't give everything to the leader because God wants everybody to participate in what he's doing. And so what God does is he brings in people with gifts and talents and people that can see probably a little bit clearer than you, you know, and and he brings these people together. And then, listen, you're the ones to fill in the details. And I welcome that. You are the ones to fill in the detail because if you ask me exactly how, I can't tell you all the details because God doesn't give that because he said the just shall live by faith. So it's a faith walk. And if you hear, there is something that God wants you to do. And I say that and everybody look, you know, kind of funny at me, you know, but listen to me. If you are here, God has called you for a specific purpose and that the vision of what God has called us you are listen we need your participation because God has put some stuff down on the inside of you for the benefit of the whole body are you with me so God doesn't always give the detail and so now and we talked about teamwork and ownership this is where teamwork and ownership comes in at. When, you know, when we all begin to own the vision, because now I can see what, I can see my part. I can see that the stuff that God has put in me, I can, I can go ahead and use that. And now there's excitement. Now there's teamwork. Now there's ownership of it. And when you own the vision, nobody has to tell you to do a whole bunch. You know, Danelle had kind of used an analogy that, you know, her kids sometimes, they live in the house and they can see the paper on the floor and they just walk right by like they never see it. Got to own it. When you really own a vision, when you are a part of this thing, you know, I don't have to tell you to pick that up or move that out of the way because this is mine. God has called me to do this and I want to fulfill what God said. And I want to be a good steward. Look at your neighbor and say a good steward. I want to be a good steward of what God has called me to. And then there's the issue of duplicating success. And I'm just talking about vision. One of the things that you'll find out, and it happens in every church, there are always going to be people that's going to come in and they're going to, they're going to say, well, you know, uh, pastor, uh, you know, elder or whoever, you know, maybe you ought to try this particular program because, see, you know, such and such tried it over here and it worked. And I can tell you that I was a part of a ministry and this pastor, I, it was incredible. But he would, go to a, he would go to these conferences, and every time he'd come back, you know what he would do? He would assemble everybody together real quick and say, this is the program we're going to start. Because he was trying to duplicate what somebody else was doing. And, and listen, me, Mark, and Fred, we had went recently to a conference in Ocala, Florida. And they have a model there, if you will, uh, you know, a formula, and they may not say that, but when you read between the lines, they, they give you a formula. It's basically what it is. And I told, uh, I told Pastor Ron right, you know, right before, um, right after I got back, I said, Pastor Ron, I went there because, listen, I wasn't looking for a formula. I was looking for the hand of God. Because what may work up there in Ocala, Florida, may not work here. And if you look in the word of God, God often doesn't work in the same way twice. God, look, when God calls a people, there's a unique calling and there is a unique responsibility that he put on that people. And so we don't just run around duplicating stuff, trying to find out the latest thing that's going to work. 
Oh, come on, brother. Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this thing. Let's try that thing. No, the, the issue is it's reflection and spending time with God. In fact, uh, Martin Luther King made this statement. I think it's a powerful statement. He says that there is almost a universal quest for easy answers and half-baked solutions. Nothing pains some people more than having to think. A very, very powerful statement. Because what needs to happen is there need to be, listen, as, as, as leaders or a visionary leader, there need to be time spent in the presence of God. That's why I say that pastors, and I would just say for myself and, and every pastor, that the visionary leader need to have time to spend with God so that he can hear the voice of God and not run into every conference trying to look for a program that works. Because if God called you, then God, God knows exactly what he wants you to do. And if there's a program that works and somebody else used it, then it's going to be God said do it. But it's not going to be this thing where we're just kind of running from place to place, trying to find out, trying this shoe on, trying that shoe on. Oh, it didn't work. No, we're not getting into that rat, that rat race because God didn't call us to that. And so it's, it's about reflection. Spending time with God. You know, you look at some of the your biggest companies. You know, a lot of these people that are very, very successful, you know what they did? They had a unique idea that nobody else had. They sit back and they think. And how many know that God wants to put some stuff down on the inside of us, but we just got to slow down and listen to the voice of God? God is, listen, God want to do some great things. God want to bless your business but listen, don't try to do it like somebody else do it. Listen, take some time and you are a child of the kingdom. You have all the authority of God living on the inside of you. God wants to show you some stuff. God will give you a plan. What does God uniquely call Foundation Christian Fellowship to do? And that's why we don't just jump on, listen, we want to partner up with this person and that person. No, we need to make sure what did God say? Are you with me? What, what is it that God is saying to us as a people? Because the issue is, where is God at work and how is he working? Because that's where I want to be. And if he's uniquely called us, then there is a unique responsibility that he has for us. It's important that we understand that. So we want to look for the hand of God. We want to see what it is that God is doing for us. And I, I want to kind of, uh, kind of show you through the word of God. And I think this is, this is uh, some of you probably have seen this before, then some of you probably haven't. But it's, 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 I tell you what, I was just, when I was really meditating on this word, you know, and I really began to think to myself, you know, Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for how you move and how you give revelation and how you give understanding. Look with me, if you will, in Matthew chapter number 10. Visionary leaders must be led by the spirit and remain true to their calling. Visionary leaders must be led by the spirit and remain true to their calling. Are you there in Matthew chapter number 10? And guess what? Pastor got to get there. Everybody say, Pastor got to get there. Well, you guys are quiet today. Hallelujah. You guys ready to eat? Is that what it is? Ready for that picnic? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Am I, am, I, am I taking too long? I'm not too long, am I? I've only gotten about five or ten minutes, right? Five minutes? Pauline said I'm fine, so we, we're good to go. So I ain't listening to the rest of y'all. I'm listening to what Pauline said. All right, Matthew, Matthew chapter 10. 
Verse number five. Now I want you to catch this. This is deep. Um, well, let's, let's read verse number one in uh, Matthew chapter 10 for continuity's sake. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are uh, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, uh, Thaddeus, Simon, and Judas. And I probably missed somebody in there. Verse number five, these 12, listen, these 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, I'm sure that there was there were some who probably say, well, wait a minute, Jesus. I mean, did you not say that, you know, you came to die for the sins of all the world? I mean, why are you why don't you just let me go and I just minister to whoever, whoever I see, whoever comes in my pathway? Jesus told him, listen, Jesus said, listen, I want you, I don't even want you to minister to the Gentiles. He said, I don't want you to go the way of the Samaritans. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the lost sheep of Israel. And I know that some people, they probably thought, well, my goodness, you know, that doesn't make sense. I mean, we're supposed to be sharing this thing with everybody. You see, the issue is that Jesus understood this. Where, he, where his father was at work, that's where he wanted to be. Because how many know that you can be witnessing to somebody, and if the Holy Spirit ain't really moved them or brought them to that place, you just waste your time. Because we got to be led by the Spirit. That's all Jesus was saying here. He says, look, God called me, Jesus, God called me to minister primarily to the Jews. And yes, and ultimately we know that he was going after all mankind, we understand that, but his specific assignment that was in front of him he was to minister to the Jews. You can remember one story when the lady uh, who was a Samaritan, um, she, she had wanted uh, some, some, some healing or something, and, and Jesus said, look, I, I'm, I'm called to minister to the lost sheep of Israel. And she said, well, look, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table. And then Jesus said, oh, woman, great is your faith. Now, he still ministered to her. I'm not saying that you ought to walk around and start choosing who you're going to minister to. Listen, I'm saying that we need to be led by the Spirit. The issue is, is being discerning. We talked about what? Revelation. Vision. What is God saying for the moment? Trying to figure out where God is. If God says, don't go to South Stafford because they, they're not ready, I better not go to South Stafford. You follow me? And I'm just using that example. I'm not saying God said that. Look at the neighbor and say, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying is, listen, what I'm saying is you, we, we got to go where the spirit is at work. That's all Jesus was saying. Jesus said, listen, I know what my father called me to do. And here's what I want you to go minister to. The apostle Paul in Acts chapter 13, verse 47, he says, I place you as a light for the Gentiles that you might bring salvation to the end of the earth. The apostle Paul's calling was, his vision was to minister to the Gentiles. That's what God called him specifically to do. Now, that's not to say that Paul did not minister to other people who weren't Gentiles. It's just to, it's just to say that his primary responsibility and what God has called him to do was to minister to the Gentiles. Are you with me? And so the issue is, where is God at work? And then in, in Acts chapter 16, turn there real quickly, real quickly, Acts 16. Acts chapter 16. 
the Apostle Paul here was forbidden to preach in Asia Minor. And I look at verse number six. And Paul is on a missionary journey. He's preaching the gospel and he's going around from place to place. And look at this. Talking about being led by the spirit of God. They passed through, verse six, they passed through uh, Phygian and Galatian and region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. They were forbidden. And after they came to Messiah, they were trying to go into Bithynia and the spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Messiah, they came down to Troas. And then a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over here to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, everybody say vision. We sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, here it is. Apostle Paul, listen, they want to preach the gospel in Asia Minor, but the spirit of God is saying, no, I don't want you to go there. He said, I don't want you to go there. Then they try to go to Bithynia. He said, no. And then all of a sudden, God shows up and gives him a vision. God said, I want you to go to Europe. See, I want you to go to Europe, to Macedonia, and I want you to preach to them. Because if Paul would have disobeyed the spirit of God and went there, he would have been operating in his flesh, although he's doing a good thing. Are you with me? He's doing a good thing by ministering the word of God, sharing, but God ain't working right there right now. It's not to say that God is never going to work. It's just that it, where is God working now and what is the God that you want me to do? That's the issue. And so we see that very, very clearly. And finally, look at your neighbor and say, finally. Oh, man, that's, a, you get, that's the loudest you spoke all day. Mm. Lord Jesus, help us. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard sometimes being up here, man. You get all excited. You're preaching. You're giving everything, man. And finally. <laughs> get us out of here, dog. But I just want to mention one thing, and then we're done. I want to talk about for a moment. Can I get? Oh, we're doing good. Only 15 minutes? No. Can I get five minutes? Five more minutes, okay? Now, there are some people that think, for an example, that the church primarily exists to meet needs. There are some people that think that way, that the church is needs-driven. And, you know, and I can tell you that since our inception, I get phone calls and recently just got a letter. And people will call me. They don't know who I am. I just saw your card and God just spoke to me and told me that you are supposed to pay my mortgage. Buy me some food. Pay my electric bill. Because we are struggling here and after all, you're a church. And see, that's what churches are supposed to do. But let me me say this. And, And the reality of it is, is a lot of people think that way. They think that the church primarily, you know, and then you have people within the church, they say, well, you know, pastor, the pastor's supposed to be, you know, we supposed to be paying all, he's supposed to pay, help me pay my bills. The church doesn't exist to pay the bills of the members. Uh-huh. I, I know for some of us that's hard. <laughs> but it doesn't, that's not why God called us. Are you with me? We're not to be needs driven. Now, that's not to say that if somebody have a legitimate need, that we won't work to meet that need. Look at your neighbor and say, I didn't say that. But the church's primary calling is not to go out and pay bills and just meet people's needs, that we are to identify every need in the community and try to meet it. You know, because people don't know what they really need. The reality of it is, 
you know, you got a mom who say, for example, well, you know, my son really needs, you know, and you guys are a church. What you really need to consider doing is having a basketball gym. You need to build a community center for my kids. Well, wait a minute. Why don't you just try to live godly in your house? You see, that's where the real need is. Why, why don't we have some godly standards inside of our home? Now, I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just using it as an example. You follow me? And so, listen, if we're driven by needs all the time, can you imagine we're just pulled and pulled in this way, that way? Because Jesus says the poor you always have with you. You know, a story in John chapter 12. Oh, gosh. I don't want to tell you wrong, so I'll turn there even if you don't. Because, you know, I'll turn there. Glory to God. Here, Jesus, with uh, he was anointing, uh, uh, Mary had anointed Jesus for his burial. And, and Mary took, in verse number three in John chapter 12, Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii? denarii and given to poor people. Now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. Look at the neighbor and say he got issues. (laughs) Oh gosh. Verse 7. Therefore Jesus said to him, Listen, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. See, the issue is not just about meeting needs. The issue is the vision, the call, and the revelation of God. And then a byproduct of that, oftentimes, is that we share and we meet needs. Because we are going to help the community. We're going to serve the community, but we're going to serve the community as what? The spirit leads. So we're not going to just be trying to come up with all kind of stuff to do just to be busy. Oh, let's be a real busy church. Let's just get busy. Get everybody involved. No. God, what are you saying to us? You know, listen, a church activities are nothing more than busy work unless God initiates it. Which means We keep going back here, which means that we need to spend time in prayer and seeking his face so we can hear what God is saying. So we always end up coming back there, don't we? Because we want to hear his voice. Because it's about revelation. It's about calling. It's about what is it that he wants us to do. Jesus said in John 6, 27, do not work for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man would give to you, for on him the Father has set his seal. Jesus knew that there were a whole bunch of people that were following him, and Jesus knew they weren't following him because they really wanted to know him. (laughs) They didn't really want to know Jesus. Jesus said, I know why you're following me. You're following me because you're hungry. (laughs) You just want to get something to eat. I almost said something, but I'm going to behave myself. But listen, you know, you know what I'm saying? And Jesus was making a point. He says, look, don't labor for the meat that perishes. In other words, listen, we need to, Jesus saying, listen, there is a calling that, that, that I have, and there's something that God wants us to do, and we need to figure out what is he saying to us. You remember Jesus made the statement? He says, I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. You remember that? 
whether good, bad, indifferent. Jesus says, listen, I do absolutely nothing unless I see my father do it. And we need to be that kind of people to say, you know what? I don't do nothing unless my father tells me to do it. Because if my father told me to do it, (laughs) brother, half the battle, it's already done. And so spend time and seek the face of God and pray and fast all the things that we love to hear and deny yourself. Hallelujah. And God will speak to you and give you revelation. And he'll show us exactly what it is that he would have us to do. In conclusion, I just want to say that, listen, a church program never changed a life. God does. God changes lives. And God called us together so that we all can change lives. We change each other. We encourage one another. And we hear and we begin to co-labor with him in fulfilling the vision that he gave us. Now, next week, we're going to talk specifically. You don't want to miss that. Next week, we're going to talk specifically about the vision of Foundation Christian Fellowship. What it is that God has called us to do. Because how many know we're just not here just to be here? We're just not existing. This is not just throw together something. You know, just throw something together real quick and see if it works. No, I'm not interested in it. I don't have time for that. Many of you don't have time for that. Your time is very, very valuable. Right? Oh, yeah. Your time is valuable. So you want to make sure that if I'm, God got to be in this thing. So we're going to talk about that next week. Amen? Amen. Smile. Hallelujah. Mark, come on up and close us out.